Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you have found the ultimate podcast for your pro wrestling needs. You've tuned into the Mega Powers Pro Wrestling Podcast with your weekly dose of what's happening in the world of professional wrestling. We bring you the latest in WWE, AEW, and much more. Now, here are your hosts of the Mega Powers Pro Wrestling Podcast, Rob T and KFA Chris. Uh, do the dance, do the dance, yeah. Uh, uh. Should I put my pants back up? Sorry. I just caught, I just caught my breath, so I'm not dancing right now. There's gonna be a lot of heavy breathing going on here. You saw what I did with that mic earlier. Yeah, I blew you, it low, man, you quick. Were, pull, your pullout game sucks, dude. I do have a daughter. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Mega Powers Pro Wrestling Podcast, and of course, I am Rob T, and of course, my partner. Kayfabe Chris. Yes, that's right. And we are here for another week of pro wrestling discussion. And if you've been following us on social media, you already know what we're talking about today. And I'm excited about it. But before we get to our topic, we do have a special guest today. I'm going to let Kayfabe Chris do the intro on this one. Dang. <laughs> I get the introduction. Yes, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The Mega Powers Pro Wrestling Podcast probably brings to you their special guest for the week, Mr. Patrick Speakerman. What's going on, Patrick? Oh, not a lot, not a lot. <laughs> now make sure you talk into the mic, sir. My bad. Yeah, My bad. <laughs> that's all right. That's you all gotta right. get in there, make love to the mic. Yes, yes. You know, you gotta caress it like it's your your wife. You know, get get in there. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, we're very happy to have you with us uh, this week on uh, this special special podcast because we're gonna talk about something good. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to mention real quickly to all of our listeners out there that today, in the third segment, we decided, because we just cannot ignore it, it's all over the place, we are going to... I don't know why we can't ignore it, because obviously WWE is ignoring it, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> but uh, we got to talk about what's going on with Sasha Banks and Naomi. Um, some drama going on right now in WWE, and uh, it's shaking, it's rattling some cages for sure, and uh, so we are going to touch a little bit on that. But before we even get into that, what we are going to talk about today... Be careful. You touch it a little bit, you get addicted. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, but before we get into that, we are we got a topic we're going to talk about today that is very exciting to me. Uh, one thing I love is is uh, definitely pro wrestling history, um, and there are certain topics that I truly enjoy, and this is one of those topics. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about today happened on November 9th, 1997, at the Survivor Series, WWF at the time, Survivor Series, uh, and it's known as the Montreal Screwjob. I was a sophomore in high school, sir. Were you? Yeah. How about you, Patrick? I would have been a sophomore. Ah. No, you wouldn't. You would have been a freshman. No. 97? Oh, yeah, it was. See? Freshman. My bad. God. Okay, okay. I didn't even know you back then. No, but I knew you, obviously. Apparently, <laughs> I knew what grade you were in. <laughs> 97 so, would have been a freshman. Year, and you, yeah. sir? I was married. <laughs> and, and here's the funny thing. I actually told And a sophomore in high school. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, let me see. I was married a year. Now, here's the funny thing. I was telling the story yesterday at the dinner table with my wife and with Bill. Um, I remember where I was when it happened because I got the pay-per-view. Okay. And uh, I was in trouble that day. 
because November 9th was my wedding anniversary. Oh, so you had a screw job too. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. My wife at the time, of course, was like, what are we going to do for our anniversary? I said, we're going to watch a (laughs) pay-per-view. That's what we're going to do. I feel like that's what everybody should do on their anniversary. Don't you agree? (laughs) As long as it's a good pay-per-view, like AEW. Yeah. So, But needless to say, she wasn't happy about that. I did have people over. We watched it. But I did see it live. I saw it happen. And I'll tell you, after it happened, they went off the air. And what they did. So if you if you haven't seen it, you got to go back and watch it. But at the end, when it first went, off, we didn't even say what we're talking about. That's true. We didn't. You haven't even prefaced with, that's with true. the topic. For I'm today. just assuming that everybody knows what the Montreal Screwjob is. So that's my bad. For all they know, Sonny could have gotten busy with one of the other wrestlers, and that's what the Montreal. Well, no, Screwjob. I clarified last week that the Montreal Screwjob is not a Canadian sex. That's right. You position. did. You did. Okay. Okay. So let me rewind a little bit. The Montreal Screwjob is what happened when Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were in a match for the WWF Championship, and during the match, uh, Shawn Michaels put the sharpshooter on Bret Hart. And when he turned him over, the ref called for the bell. And Shawn Michaels won the title. And Brett did not tap out. Basically, thus being screwed over by Vince McMahon. They needed to get the title off of Brett. And that's basically what they did. And we are going to get in, in depth into that, actually. But, like I said, I was uh, I saw it live. When they went off the air, Shawn Michaels had just gone into, into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And had waved his hands up in the air. And it went off the air. So... All that footage you see of Bret Hart smashing monitors and all that, did not see that. No, not, okay? on, not on the pay-per-view. No, not on the pay-per-view. All I can tell you is that after that thing went off the air, we sat there in the living room for like the next hour talking about what the hell just happened uh, because we didn't know. You know, like, what did, he didn't tap. No, he tapped. No, he didn't tap. I saw he didn't tap. Like, why did they do that? Blah, blah, blah. So you're on your anniversary, you watch the pay-per-view, and then spent the rest of the night talking about Pretty much, pretty much, because like I said, I had people over to watch the pay-per-view. So, uh, Patrick, let me start with you. Did you happen to see this live? Unfortunately, I did not. No? Uh, okay. I did not get a chance to really watch many wrestling pay-per-views growing up. Okay, uh, okay. So when did you first learn about the Montreal Screwjob? I knew it at the time because I was really following wrestling. Right. Uh, I just did not see the actual pay-per-view. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I I knew something happened, and it was talked about on the Raw after the show. Right. And then trying to figure out what all actually went down. Gotcha. And what to believe, what not to believe. Right. So. And just out of curiosity, what did you believe at the time? Um... I believed it was done on purpose. Yeah. Uh, it was done to get the title off of Brett. Right. Okay. And what about you, Chris? Did you happen to see the pay-per-view live? Or uh, No, but like Patrick said, uh, I agree with him. I was kind of in depth and in, in deep with it uh, following in the Monday Night Raw. I actually didn't find out about it to the following morning because one of my uh, bandmates happened to see it um, and told me about it. I was like, dude, did you see this? I'm like, of course not. I'm poor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but of course, I did go online and read read the the highlights of what happened. Was there internet back then? Yeah, there was. <laughs> it was dial up though. It was dial up, and actually, I was I was in a Cisco class, so that's when I was doing it because it was pointless class to have. So I was kind of online doing that. Um, gotcha. So I, I read about it then, and I kind of already knew going into it because they kept making references uh, throughout the weeks going up to it that he was leaving for WCW. Right, right, right. Um, so at the time, yes, I thought it was legit. But this is also during the time where. 
I wasn't 100% sure what was real and what was kayfabe. At that right, point. right. Because kayfabe was still a thing back yeah, then. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it kind of started to be exposed uh, once the, you know, the Madison Square Garden, the curtain call happened. Right, right. But um, again, the, at that point, I thought that was kind of like an interesting aspect of the wrestling business. Oh, for sure. Too, so. For sure. Yeah. So uh, definitely controversial to say the least. So let's dive into it. So. Um, I did take some notes, believe it or not, <laughs> up my game on this one. So, um, wow. <laughs> so let's back. We need to back up a little bit because okay. the seeds of the event started way before, uh, and a lot of the so a lot of the documentaries I saw and stuff, I, I have to agree with it because I was watching WWF at that time. I followed it, you know, and stuff. So I do know that there was some competitive jealousy between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for sure those two were very similar in styles now Brett was more of a technician yes but they had the same I guess body type right because they're not they weren't like really huge guys and of course they were both part of the new generation at the time Mm -hmm. right so um so during this time there was some competitive jealousy going on and Brett started to feel and this is his words uh that during this time he started to feel like he was just a placeholder for the title because they were going to give it to Sean. So behind the scenes, there was some stuff going on with uh, a contract being offered to Brett by WCW. He initially said no because he had a loyalty to WWF. And but uh, I, the last so one of the last interviews I saw with Brett, and I don't know if you saw this one. He, he, he stated that he gave Eric Bischoff a number, money-wise, just to kind of discourage him. Because he thought the number he gave was so ridiculous that they would have said no anyway. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the number was, was it $6 million? Three million? Eight, I think it was $8 million for eight. Uh, two, three years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And to his surprise, Bischoff was like, yeah. And so, I mean, he was, he wasn't blowing his money; he was blowing Turner's money. True, so true, he true. Didn't really give a damn. Right, true. So, this whole thing, the seeds were planted because of this whole competitive jealousy, uh, them not really liking each other at this point. Um, and to Brett's, I guess, credit, he had a reason because Shawn Michaels at this time in his life was a douchebag. I mean, he was. It, it's it's not a secret. Many people have said it. He was someone that people didn't like to be around. He was a smartass, uh, and the list goes on. Correct. Correct. So, out of curiosity, uh, from the both of you gentlemen, um, I guess Rob first. At that time, who would you have preferred as top dog at that point? Would you say Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? Shawn Michaels. Patrick. I agree. I was more of a watching the high flying. Yeah. So the things uh, we couldn't do. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brett was as an amazing technical wrestler and him. Mean, he did do the high flying as well, but it was more grounded. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoyed the Shawn Michaels, the way he wrestled. And so that was why I kind of leaned towards him. And not only that, for me, Shawn was more charismatic than Bret Hart was, especially on the stick. You know, yeah. Bret Hart would get on a mic. And he would just kind of be like, you know, I'm going to go into this match because I am the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And nobody can, you know, that was his thing. And at that time, that worked. It if did. If you look back now. It did. His promos versus Shawn Michaels' promos. Shawn Michaels' promos still work to this day. True. 
True. I mean, some of the references are dated, but at True. the same time, the aggression and the storytelling in those promos can still, you know, yeah, do a story today. Yeah. Whereas Sean, I don't know. For me, I kind of liked the whole arrogant take on it. Like he was, he was, he was doing the same thing in that he was selling himself that he was the best, right? But he did it in a more arrogant way. And I don't know, dude. I just gravitated to that. That's why I like. He was a him. dick. He was. He was. And I just like that about him. You know <laughs> he what I mean? Like that he was a. Dick. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Patrick. Uh, back me up here. When Shawn Michaels was a heel, and he was on that stick running someone down, nobody did it better. I mean, the dude was just in a class on his own. He was hated. Yes. And uh, you know he kind of started the really doing things that were degrading toward like a flags yes, and yes. Uh, you know with the country yes. and uh to this day he gets booed going to Canada. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I mean that you just never thought you would see something like that and yeah. he did it. And then the funny thing was so right before they got really into that whole animosity with each other. So we're talking about around right around the time frame of like the Iron Man match after that happened, right? Right, that was a WrestleMania that year. Yeah, so then Bret Hart goes away for a while after that. Mm -hmm. When he comes back, that's when he started to do that whole whiny baby crap. You know what I mean? That WWF was not fair, and he's the best there is, best there was, the best there ever will be, and blah, and you Americans, this and that. And to me, he just was a crybaby. That's and the funny thing is to this day I don't like Bret Hart because I still see him that way even though he's retired and everything you know. But he was egotistical. Yes, yes. And so uh, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> so yeah. So I, I just I, I I was a Bret Hart fan before all that crap happened, but during this time, man, no, I just I couldn't. I, I was I was a Shawn Michaels fan for sure at that time. So, uh, yeah. So, you got the animosity going on. Uh, the promos basically start getting a little too personal. Um, I, he, he openly admits that he feels that he is the wholesome one, right? He's the hero, whereas Shawn Michaels is arrogant um, and a bad influence, basically, for, you know, people to watch. Um, and uh, so, as I stated, after the Iron Man match, Brett takes a break. During that break, Sean was champion because he won the match. Um, on the flip side, in WCW, this was a right around the time that uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash show up at WCW. Now, the race is on. Monday Night Wars have basically begun at this point, and WCW is kicking WWF's ass. And at, this, at that time, Shawn Michaels is champion. So... Um, God, I feel like I'm doing all the talking here. Sorry. <laughs> you took all the notes, sir. <laughs> um, help me out here. So what, what do you got? What do you got? Share, share with us what you got. Well, so far, you, you're, you're correct. You know, everything's lead up to that. Now, um, one of the bigger stories that, that kind of played into that was uh, at one point, uh, Taker had the title. Yes, okay. he did. And uh, it came down to Taker versus Brett uh, at a pay-per-view for the title with Shawn Michaels as a special referee. Oh, yes. You remember I remember that. that. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then uh, he ended up accident, accidentally, air quotations, um, hitting Undertaker with a chair, which allowed 
Hart to get the win. Of course, right. uh, Michaels had to count the, the three count. Right, right. So he took the win on that. So there was already something else building there. Right. And did you see, I think it was in Wrestling with Shadows, that Brett was not completely on board with Sean being the special guest referee and having that happen because he didn't want Sean to take his heat. Right. He, yeah. he thought that he was going to showboat as, you know, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And be the star, the, the one people wanted to see in that movie. Right, right, right. So. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right about that for sure, for sure. And what do you got next? <laughs> well, that's all the notes I have. <laughs> Bull. Oh, cool. I, I see a stack of paper in front of you. Don't give me that crap. That's for my joints later. <laughs> um. So you mentioned that uh, Bret Hart had a contract that was offered up to him by Eric Bischoff yes. to WCW. Yes. And we've seen, we've heard in interviews, and we've if anybody who's seen Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart story, um, you'll see how he turned that down, decided to do for I think like uh, $1.2 million or $1.5 million for 20 years. So I guess $1.5 each year for 20 right, years. Right, right, right. Uh, including creative control uh, on the last 30 days of his contract. 60. Sixty days. Last 60 well, you days. know what? On the on the wrestling shadows, he says thirty. In later interviews, he says sixty. Ah, so he changed it. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing he's changed about his story so far. So far. So far. Hmm. Okay. Well, you who know. knows? It was one of those. Who knows? I'm just waiting for everything to come out in the open when they convict Sh- uh, Sunny. <laughs> She did. She sings like a bird. She sings <laughs> like everything. a bird. Did y'all, did y'all see that? That yeah. she's she. Uh, I guess being held manslaughter. up for manslaughter. Manslaughter. Yeah. Um, and was denied bail. Oh, I didn't see that. She part. was denied bail, so she's Dang. she's in holding until her trial. Oh wow. Yeah. So it doesn't look good for her, Ooh. especially with her record. No more sunny days there. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, would y'all agree she was hot back in the day? Oh hell yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> Reminds me of that comment I made when we were at Walmart the, earlier with the Ticante figure. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know. Was it anatomically correct, I'm assuming? Yeah, well, it was, for one. And he was like, you should get it. I go, no, he's going to get it. I go, it's going to be sticky. <laughs> It's horrible. horrible. Um, Okay, so Bret Hart decided to stay loyal. And at this point, you know, McMahon was already in the process of taking the company public. Right. So he was already having some financial issues, uh, some financial burdens. And a lot of his commitments, he had to kind of break because he couldn't afford it. Right. Including Bret and his uh, his commitment. Yes. Um, And, of course, you know, Bret's, Bret's a wrestler. Bret's also a businessman. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, obviously, he had to renege on his uh, commitment to Brett and Brett's. He he McMahon himself told him, "Hey, you should reopen negotiation with WCW." Right, right. Which obviously Eric Bischoff was more than happy. Oh, to for sure, him. for sure. He was basically telling him to go for the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so Brett does, and eventually does, you know, sign with WCW. Right. Um, now this obviously leaked because at that point the dirt sheets were pretty heavy. They were right. coming into the fold, so everybody right. knew what was going on. Right. Uh, at the same time, you know, you still had the Canadian versus American fan base. Right. You know, obviously, uh, Bret Hart was anti-American in a sense. His character was. Yes. Um, Pro-Canadian. And Michael's obviously the opposite with yes. him, you know, sticking the flag up his nose and yeah. humping the flag in the yeah. middle of the ring. Let's Before you continue, let's back up a little bit because I want to I wanna add a little bit more to the story in, okay. in the fact where 
Brett's animosity towards Sean. So yes, the business part of this was going down, and uh, so he's having to deal with that. But at the same time, he's still trying to, you know, like he's supposed to, you know, go get a shot at the title, right? Because Sean's a champion at this point. They're moving towards WrestleMania where they're going to have the match. He's going to get the title back and be champion. That's, you know, what he thought. Um, And then what ends up happening is Sean gets hurt. And that's when he does his famous, I got to go find my smile speech. So, so this is what blew my mind. If you saw my post uh, earlier this week, I said there was some stuff in this because I I knew all about the Montreal Screwjob, but my mind was blown. I knew about this, but I didn't know the in-depth stuff, I guess, right? So, uh, Patrick, chime in whenever. Uh, (laughs) He's just quiet. I'm just listening. (laughs) Um, So, at the time... We all know Shawn Michaels was a jerk, right? He was just a complete jerk. And I get now why Brett was upset. And I can't believe I am saying this because I think he's such a crybaby, but I think I would think the same thing. So Brett did not buy the injury angle because he believed Shawn did not want to drop the belt to him. Right. That's why. I brushed over that the first time. Like, I didn't even understand that until I started getting into the documentaries and, and they were saying this stuff. I was like, holy crap, I can see that now. With the way that Sean was being back then, it is totally feasible that he would do that. Right. And even Brett had mentioned in, in past interviews that he had gone up to Shawn Michaels backstage and said, hey, Sean, I want you to know that I have, you're safe with me. I would never hurt you, intentionally hurt you, and I'm more than happy to, you know, put you over if I have to. Yeah. And Sean replied to him and said, I appreciate that, but I wouldn't do the same for you. Yeah, but see, that conversation that you're talking about, according to Brett, that's the conversation they had when they talked about the match at the Montreal Screwjob. He said it a couple of times, not just at that time. Really? Yeah. Okay, so from what I remember, he was saying that that's what Sean said uh, that one particular time. Okay, yeah. all right. So, well, then reference. that that would definitely add to the animosity that he already right. has. And I believe, if I remember correctly, one of the documentaries that I saw, I think it was the one that I sent you the link to. Um, okay, the screwed one. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think in that documentary, uh, I don't know if it was Brett, but somebody said that they asked Taker, "What do you think about this situation about uh, Sean's injury?" And that Taker said. It's BS. He just doesn't want to drop drop the belt to, to Brett, and so I can, and that's the thing, man. I can see that now. I get it. I kind of think that's what happened. And Sean, even to this day, right? He says I was the type of guy back then that if you t- if you keep poking the bear, basically, he's just gonna do something to piss you off. Right. So that's that's his excuse. I'm sorry, I'm saying that, but that's what I would think it was. An excuse because if you remember shortly after that he does a backflip off of the turnbuckle yeah and lands on his feet yeah it's like there's nothing wrong with your knee dude you know so I completely get it completely get it and this is before anybody knew about writing off someone for right storyline purposes right right oh yeah because I remember when he gave that interview dude I was all in I really thought he lost his smile yeah like were you gonna go help him find it (laughs) no (laughs) no I'm just saying I remember uh how invested I was in Sean at that time. And I even remember, uh, like, my eyes watered when he said it. Like, it was really emotional. It was a really emotional speech. Patrick's over here, nice head. Did you do the same? 
Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. It was, I mean, is a huge fan of his. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick, right? And because of that, we hated Brett more because Brett on TV was like, it's a pussyfoot injury. You're not really hurt. And it made you hate Brett more. Right. Because of that. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so looking back on it now, it's like, dude. I don't know. I kind of think Sean was BSing about the injury. Oh, yeah. Looking back now. Yeah, yeah for I sure. Agree. I agree. Totally. So so I totally get the whole... And but I wasn't all Yolando talking about... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's because Patrick and I are just bigger fans than you are. Well, maybe I'm like the fucking kid man. I don't have a heart. Okay? <laughs> that could be it, too. <laughs> so... So anyway, I just I just wanted to bring that into the conversation okay. because I really want the listeners to understand just the animosity that Brett had, dude. In Wrestling with Shadows, right? Didn't he say something like, "I I I gotta like it's almost to the point where like I want to run him over with my car yeah. or something like that"? Because he just did not like Sean at all, and and I know the feeling was mutual. And he even said of the the opening line of the Wrestling with Shadows DVD, he talks about you know. Vince McMahon tell him he's going to have to drop the title to Sean right. uh, in uh, Montreal. Right. And he says that he would he would much sooner just blow his brains out. From a character yes. standpoint, yes. that's what he would be doing. He would be blowing his brains out. Yes. So, uh, okay, so we go back to what you were talking about because you were kind of already getting us up to the actual uh, event. Mm-hmm. So now we're in 1997, and this the shift begins to happen, and the Attitude Era is pretty much born at this point. Um, WWE is now getting edgier, mm-hmm. and Brett doesn't like it. Right. This is what's adding to Brett's character on one hand, but at the same time, he actually does feel this way. He feels that the product is getting to the point where his kids can't even watch it. Um, and on camera, he expresses his disgust with the direction the WWE is going. And it, this is during the time where he becomes a heel. So he comes across as a whiny anti-American Canadian hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's during the time that I, be- I believe, if my timeline is correct, that's during the time when WCW offered the contract to him. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, one of, uh, you know, obviously we already know at this point that he has signed with WCW. He's going to be leaving the company. Right. And we're getting to the point where they're going to have to get to the Survivor Series in 97. Right. Um, now, one of uh, a couple of concerns that Bret Hart had going into it is that he didn't want to be mocked when he left. Right. Now, okay. at this point, Bret has the title. Brett has a title. Because he's won right. it. Yeah. So that's why he didn't want to just drop it and, and be, be mocked. Right. Because he referenced, you know, something like a. Uh, Scott Hall and uh, Kevin Nash when they left, you know, they had the fake razor, fake diesel. Right, right, right. Um, on the opposite side, you had uh, Vince Man who had already gone through this experience with Medusa at the time. Yes. You know, yes. Alunda Bays when she left. And, uh, yeah. And what happened, Patrick, when Medusa left? What did she do? I'm, I'm trying to pull him in. <laughs> <laughs> it was something about a belt and a trash can. Yes. Uh, yeah. On was... live television. Yeah, that was... That was a big freaking deal, man. I remember when that happened. My mouth dropped. I'm like, what? And so I did see that live. Yeah. I was watching Nitro yeah. at that point. Yeah. And yeah. How yeah. did you feel about that when you saw it? Shock. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I mean, I was at that point, you know, even if you, I thought Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were invading 
Yeah, for sure. That Vince had sent them over and Diesel and Razor yes. Ramon were coming over to like I was at that point re- thinking that was real. Same here, man. Same and, here. God, you know, I miss those days. Yeah, the good days. <laughs> those are the good days. You still liked WWF at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed both. Uh I did uh enjoy the Attitude Era more than right, right before that. Right. Um I did watch it, but it was more you know, as a teenager at that point, right, you're right. You yeah. like that edgier, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I could definitely watch as a kid. Yeah, an older kid definitely enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, here we are now, well into this rivalry. Uh, Bread is definitely the top heel at this point, um, except in Canada. In Canada, he's a freaking hero. They love it's him a freaking there. Freaking Canadian royalty. <laughs> yeah, um, wipe so- his ass with a maple leaf. <laughs> So at this point in time, I think Sean did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he humped the he Maple Leaf, sir. There's a difference of where that Canadian flag was. Yeah, rubbing no off of no, no doubt. <laughs> uh, so at this point in time, this is the birth of Degeneration X, and then of course the Hart Foundation, the New Hart Foundation, where uh, we had Bret Hart, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Brian Pillman, uh, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Am I missing anybody? No, you're correct. That's that's pretty much it, yeah. right? And then we had the original DX, which was Sean, Triple H, China, and Rick Rude, because mm-hmm. he's he started off with them. And uh, going back and forth on the stick, you had Bre- uh, Brett basically calling out Sean for posing for Playgirl, um, and then Sean retorts by telling Brett that he's had some sunny days, implying that he's been messing around with Sunny. Um. So, which is weird that if you look at interviews with Sunny, she's actually been interviewed about who she's actually been with. Yeah, as far as wrestlers and performers. Yeah, and he's not on the list. So. Yeah, and she lists a lot of people. Was Sean on the list? No. Interesting. But I thought that they did because no, he she he did because that was when she was with Chris Candido. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Is he still alive? Nope. I didn't think so. Mm-mm. Man, so many stars have been lost. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other topic. So, uh, yeah, man, so it's getting juicy. It is getting really juicy with these two. They are going back. I remember watching back then. Man, it was must-see TV. Must-see. <coughs> and uh, who, all, who all got in trouble in school uh, by telling people to suck it? I mean, oh, yeah. I know I did. For sure. <laughs> we did. We actually, because uh, I was in band, and so at competitions, the drum majors would do like a hand salute thing. Yeah. And ours, my senior year, almost looked like a crotch chop. <laughs> And so we would be doing that in the stands, and the vendor, what are y'all doing? It's like, nothing. (laughs) We're mimicking the drum major. That's funny. Yeah. Um, God, I am so old. Because I was about to answer that by saying I I wasn't in school when I did it. Well, you know, a job. You could have got trouble there, too. Did you get in trouble for for telling your wife to suck it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A couple times. (laughs) Um, no, but what I will tell you this: when I, when we went to live events uh, with my brothers, there was one time we went with my dad, and of course DX comes out, and all of us were standing up going suck it, and my dad's looking at us like, "What the hell are y'all doing?" <laughs> so we got in trouble with him <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah, man, that was that was uh, edgy TV for sure, Very edgy TV. for sure. So um, definitely have this animosity going on as as we stated before. Brett is legitimately not liking Shawn Michaels. Now behind the scenes of, of this actual animosity, you gotta remember, let's let's talk about both men. 
Uh, we we touched on Bret Hart. He's having this business dealing right now with Vince McMahon. He's going through a lot of emotional distress because at first he thought he had a 20-year contract, ironclad. He was going to make this amount of money. He was going to have all these different perks and stuff. Um, and now is being told, yeah, we can't do that. So that has to affect him in in some sort of way because he's got a family to support, you know. And now he's second guessing everything. And let's be honest, he's probably feeling at this point like, man, I guess WWF doesn't love me like they I thought they did. You know, I mean, if we're being real. Yeah. On the flip side of things, Shawn Michaels is pissed off because he finds out what Brett's making and is like, I thought I was the highest paid. Right. And now he finds out he's not. So, of course, he's pissed off about that. On top of that, he's drugging like crazy, right? He's he's popping pills and he's said it himself. If you go back and, and see some of these interviews, he pretty much doesn't even care to live, really. You know, if he would have died right then and there, he... That would have been fine for him. So he is not uh, emotionally in a good place at all. And, and and yeah, you could say a lot of it has to do with the pressure that he had, the fact that he was champion before, having to carry a company at the same time that they're going head-to-head with WCW. I mean, if you think about it, that had to be a lot on his shoulders because during that whole time that he's champion, WWF is sinking in the ratings, whereas WCW is kicking ass. And he's a champion at the time, so who does everybody look at? Wasn't that the middle of their like eighty day uh, uh, nitro? Or something? Yeah, 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 whatever that was. But yeah, you're right, exactly. So I mean, it, it was definitely an emotional time for both of them. Um, we need to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to kind of elaborate a little bit on what both of these gentlemen were kind of going through, and then we'll get into the actual day of the screw job and what happened, and then and whether it was real. Yeah, I want to touch on that too because exactly. But the other thing I want to touch on is uh, was this the catalyst that kicked off, that really kicked off the Attitude Era? Okay. Okay. Um, Or was it, uh, as Patrick stated uh, days before, or was it the curtain call? Right? So we'll talk about that a little bit. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Fellas, I know how it is. Your hair and beard are looking rough and you need to get it taken care of right away. The problem is, where do you go? Well, say no more, because I have the perfect place just for you. At Hanley's Good Time and Barbershop, you'll get that fresh cut and trim by well-trained professionals who know just how to get what you want, a man's cut and a man's trim. Dallas, Jawan, and Derek will hook you up with your tailored-to-you cut along with a straight razor shave and a relaxing hot towel treatment. These fellas will give you that old school treatment where you sit back and relax and unwind while you get back to looking like a gentleman should. When you walk in the door, talk to old Dal and let him know that Rob T. and Kayfabe Chris sent you and he'll offer you a complimentary cold one or shot of whiskey. Stop by 322 West Hopkins Street in San Marcos, Texas or go online and make your appointment today at HanleysBarbershop.com. Hanley's Good Time and Barbershop, where good times and good vibes make for a great look. Now, picture, if you will, a time in the Attitude Era where Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were BFFs. And the Montreal Screwjob 
Never happened. Where would sports entertainment, F you Jericho, be in this day and age? WCW would be on top. There would yeah. be no WWE. That's basically what would you happen. You say WWE would be on the bottom? I like being on the bottom, <laughs> sir. No, I'd say WWE would not be in existence. Would you agree with that, Patrick? I think, no, I think they'd be in existence. I just think that they would definitely have lost everything from the Monday Night Wars to, you know, WCW would have never been bought. And I, I, we'd all be in a different place because, you know, you probably wouldn't have AEW at that point. That's a good point. I mean, you wouldn't have these other promotions. That's true. There's so much of, there's so much of, um, ripples from this rock that was dropped in the pond basically from this one event. that was deep yeah wow <laughs> i mean there's just so much that has come from this one event um, but the fact is sir this event did happen now whether or not it was a real shoot altercation that right. occurred right or whether it was a work that's what we're going to dig into now yeah yeah uh it, i gotta be honest looking at those documentaries and stuff again there's little things that I didn't pay attention to that I did now, and yeah. I'm like, I'm on the fence about it, bro. I really am on the fence. Patrick, what do you think? Do you think it actually was a work, or was it shoot? I mean, personally, I think it was real. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes, you could see the potential for being a, a shoot or a work, but yeah. I, it's just, it is all just way too real that you even now you still don't get that in wrestling to that extent right and so that's why to me that just I mean, the closest thing you ever had was the cm punk pipe bomb right yeah yeah even then though it wasn't to this extent yeah you know what i mean because there's just so many factors in this whole thing that raises suspicion for me um the fact that it just so coincidentally happened to be that at this point in time, Bret Hart is having a documentary shot. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Exactly. That was That's a big question mark in itself. Right. Because you already know that Vincent Mann does not allow anybody backstage. Right. He likes to keep his, his entertainment company secretive. Yeah. You know, he'll release what he wants to release. Right. Which I'll kind of go further into that when we talk about the other topic yeah, in the third yeah. segment. Um, but yeah, I think that whole Bret Hart making the documentary thing definitely played a big part in me believing that it was a complete work. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, well, well everybody knows this one, I'm sure. Um, Scott Hall says, yeah. says it's a work. Rest in peace to the bad yeah, guy. He says it's a work. Dude, complete side note. When I was seeing the documentaries and Scott Hall came up, it didn't even dawn on me that he had passed. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It is crazy. I'm like, it's been like what a month and a half now. Yeah, dude, that's nuts. That's like, crazy. like for me, it's like he's he was still alive. Oh, crazy. Anyway, um, so he he's one of the first ones that I ever heard say it was work. Yeah, right. The other thing is is on the day of the event. So okay, let's back up a little bit. Here's here's what happened on the event. Um, during the event, before like hours before, uh, Brett and Vince are talking about what's going on. Yeah. What's well, actually, happen? I kind of want to backtrack a little more. Go ahead. The night before. Okay, so I read an article. can't remember where I read it to. But apparently the day before the match, November 8th, uh, 97, McMahon met with Pat Patterson and Shawn Michaels in a hotel room to plan the screw job. Mm. Okay. Uh, Jared Briscoe was involved in the planning as well, 
apparently. Was Triple H there? No. Okay. Okay. That's where it gets kind of shady because of how many people say that they were were there or they came up with the idea, this and that. Um, So apparently, uh, according to Dave Metzler, everybody knows who Dave Metzler is, right? Um, Meltzer. Meltzer, whatever. Dave. (laughs) That is not a five star match. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. you. Uh, apparently he uh, on his dirt sheets at the time indicated that um, Pat Patterson walked out of that meeting not looking very comfortable mm. looking very upset at that meeting okay okay. apparently Brett was in a different uh, city right wrestling that night right because he had to fly back that's, right. that's I think the it whole, was in Detroit that's the whole thing about him talking to Earl Hebner on the plane right exactly yeah. okay exactly so apparently this was already being discussed um Prior to it, now we already know that McMahon and Hart had had back and forth about it. Hart saying, "You know, I'm not going to drop the title. I'd be happy to drop it to anybody else. I'd be happy to uh, end this some kind of disqualification, and I could just, you know, go on the uh, Raw the next night, give my speech, right, and um, you know, relinquish the title." Which what I find interesting is that this happened on November 9th, 1997. Mm-hmm. Right, his contract with WWF did not end till the end of November, and his WCW contract started in December. So he really? had at least three to four weeks left on his contract. Holy crap. I didn't even know. I thought this whole time, I thought his contract ended no, that night. it did not end that night. Wow. No. So there's still opportunity to do what Bret Hart wanted or drop the title of Michaels later on in a different city. Wow. So See, this is news to me, man. Crazy. Yeah. So what's your source? <laughs> what's your source, sir? I can't tell you that, sir. I had to do some shady shit to get this information. Okay. I just don't want to talk about the jaw still hurts. And okay. that's what I that's what I had heard was that he was okay dropping the title. He just did not want to do it in Canada. Right. And well, he didn't want to do it to Sean either. Canada. See, I I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I had heard that he was okay dropping it to Sean later, but he just didn't. Canada want was the big deal because he right, was such right. a hero in Canada. And on a side note, I got to ask this question. I'll ask this to both of y'all. I, I, right, the last thing I saw con, uh, pertaining to the Montreal Screwjob was today, and it was an interview with old Corny, Jim Cornette. From the Dark Side of the Ring? Uh, no, this was a separate one. Okay. This was a separate interview, and he was talking about the Montreal Screwjob. And... He said something that, damn it, I got to admit, I have to agree with. I think Bret Hart took himself way too damn seriously. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and Jim Cornette was like, come on, it's pro wrestling. You're not really a champion. It's a damn, you know, prop. scripted. It's a prop. It's, you know, you're champion because Vince McMahon decided you're going to be champion. You didn't really beat somebody for the belt. Get over yourself. I have to agree with that. You know what I'm saying? Bret Hart took, and still does, by the way, because recently, when I say recently, within the last couple of years, he did another interview about the screw job. And he was, and he said it himself. I was the cha- I was the world champion. I defended that title all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes, he took himself way too seriously. You know, I mean, it is what it is. The screw job happened, but yeah, I think I think Bret Hart had his chonis on a little too wound up. You know, when it comes to that, that's that's just a little footnote. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Am I right? I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I there's agree. no reason that 
you're basically given the title. Yeah. You're chosen to be the one to lead that next go. And right. I mean, you didn't outlast somebody. You right. didn't actually have strength that beat that person. Exactly. You were told you will pin this person. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, and, and, and on the other hand, uh, you know, it's like there's the other thing that Jim Cornette. Well, no, actually, Paul Heyman said this. And because Paul Heyman is totally like he agrees with what happened with the Montreal screw job, mm-hmm. right? Because he goes, at the end of the day, whose company is it? Yeah. You know, it's like take your damn belt back. If somebody doesn't want to do business, you do business for them. You know? So from a business standpoint, yeah, I get it. I get it. So And let's be realistic. This isn't the first time a champion has left a company. Correct. I mean, we we very you know, t- discussed about Alunder Blaze leaving and dropping the w- the women's title in the trash. Right. We go back and further to when uh, Ric Flair came in in the early nineties. That's right. And he didn't give back the big gold belt at That's, the time. Yeah, very true. So I completely understand from a company standpoint. Technically, that is my property, right? In a sense, right? You know, but in reality, from what I see, and and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe y'all know better than me. But it seems that when someone becomes a champion, you get a belt. And it's not like that belt is handed over from person to person to person. Mm. Like you're given a belt, that's your belt, and you take it home. And then when they decide to change it off you, they make another belt and they give it to that person. So you technically still have the belt. You're just not considered champion on screen. So, okay, I have to correct you on that one. Because my understanding, and don't ask me where I learned or know this because I don't remember, but... (laughs) Uh, my understanding, especially when it came to the belts, like in the NWA and stuff, um, when you won that championship, it was the belt that was handed from person to person. However, they made you your own personal belt. That's why you'll see pictures of champions, gotcha. you know, old school champions that'll have a belt hanging behind them because they were given. So either way, Brett was going to have a damn belt. Either way, exactly. He was. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Again, he took the damn thing too seriously. He really did. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I could have went on WWE shop and got the same damn belt. <laughs> Very true. You know, we so, should have done that. Yeah. We should have. <laughs> and then I show up to school and be like, I'm not going to do any and of that. That's homework. my favorite belt, to be honest with you. The, the, the winged eagle belt. Yeah. Oh, I love that yeah. belt. Bro, I wish back when I was in school that they would have had the 24 7 title around. Because because I remember uh, back then you had kids that would take belts to school and stuff. And if I would have seen somebody with a 24-7 title, I would have went up right behind them, knocked them down, and pinned them and taken the belt. Well, I remember I got a foam belt of the Smoking Skull belt at the Frank Irwin Center when I went to a, a live show, a uh-huh. house show. And I took that to school. Did you? Yeah. I Any, sure did. Anybody try to pin you for it? No. I did a side, a side Russian leg sweep a kid, though. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so... Let's focus back to the discussion here. Bring it back. Bring, bring it, it back. back. Bring it back to the so, focus. Out of the three of us, two and a half think it's a work because I'm still on the fence. Okay. I'm still on the fence. Um, I'm honestly surprised from you, Patrick, that you believe it was completely real. Why? Be- <laughs> because of the fact that I-, I know you now and I know your skepticism with WWE and. You know, I would think that you would be the one who would be thinking, oh, this is bullshit. This is a complete work. No, because I could see Vince McMahon stooping to that level to do that. 
So that's kind of part of why you dislike that kind of ownership the way it's yeah it's run so yeah, yeah that's i, I mean I that's why that. i feel it's it's real i can see that you know now let me tell me it's real now here's the thing chris i gotta say this this is the reason why i don't think it's a work the reason why i don't think it's a work is because look at the damage that it did to bret hart in his life he has walked around for years and years with this bitterness over what happened if it was a work would you really carry it on for over 10 years would you really play to it i mean because someone who just we just had discussion that he believes he was truly a champion hell yeah i think he carried around for because he wanted to sell the story but bro we're, we're talking about the fact that okay so it's no secret that this was the monkey on his back right for years after this happened he gets injured in wcw thanks to goldberg way to go goldberg um giving him a concussion right and now this right here i'm about to say is my opinion but i believe with whatever depression or whatever this whole thing caused him on top of what happened to him and the injury led to him having a stroke you know because i mean stress was a big part i mean when you're that bitter you know, and there have been testimonials from other superstars. Ted DiBiase is one of them, uh, who stated in an interview that he was good friends with Brett, and he knows Brett still harbors a lot of bitterness toward this, and he needs to let it go. You know, so that's that's one main reason why I don't think it's a work because, I mean, to do that much emotional emotional damage, damage. <laughs> to you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if it is, if it is a work. Holy shit, you talk about the best work ever. Yeah. Because even after all these years, you know, nobody's come out and said it's a work. Okay. So we already know what the. What Earl happened. Hebner. Look at the emotional damage it did to Earl Hebner. Look at Dark Side of the Ring. He that said. That was it. his brother. <laughs> that wasn't even Earl Hebner. Okay, that was his twin brother. Oh my okay. God. Yeah, I said it. I love the look he's giving you right now. <laughs> is this an Ezekiel type thing? <laughs> Do you not know about this? You know, right? He has a twin brother. He has you know a twin that, brother. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> so I'm just saying, it's probably not even Earl. Ezekiel, you mean uh, Ultimate Warrior 2.0? <laughs> <laughs> Does he not look like the Ultimate Warrior? He does, yeah. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Anyway. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean, remember in Dark Side of the Ring what Earl Hebner said? I mean, he... Again, that I'm not saying I fully believe that you know it's a work, but that's kind of another reason. Well, why. I have my reasons that it's not. Well, yeah, I, you do, and I could. <laughs> you could also look at it from you know. You say why does he? You think it's not a, a work because of how long he right held that hatred? But I mean, could a portion of that have been the Owen Hart thing good of point. why he? Good point. Very you know, point. maybe he, yes, it might have been a work, but his hatred of WWE or WWF at the time was yeah. the way the Owen Hart thing was treated. Right, right. That's which a good point. all builds up, and right. yeah, that's a good then point. at that point you you're to you yeah. just kind of stay. You know, you're mad enough at someone, you just yeah, for sure, and then you don't care about talking to him again for sure. Now so. here's another little. I'll add this to the argument of it could be a work. Okay, let's go to the actual event when it happened. Okay, where did the camera go? Straight to uh, Brett. Right. And to this day, yeah, nobody has been able to answer the question, 
because they asked Bruce Pritchard straight up. Because Bruce Pritchard back then, he was the dude that started the, they gave the the order to start the music. Right. And he claims he didn't do it that night. So how did they know to start the music? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are things that that make you kind of go, well, wait a second. Okay. Well, before I go into what I think, okay, as far as why I think it is, well, we we we're talking about the match real quick because obviously we don't want to prolong it too long and go three hours into this discussion. Right, right, right. Because um, okay. we easily could. We easily could. So we know that you know obviously uh, the match happened um, early on. It was a brawl between them before the match even started. Yes. Finally, get back into the ring, um, and the match continues on. Or Hemner takes a bump. Say Mac titties on. Mac titties on. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. I must have the wrong headphones. <laughs> the match continues on. Gotcha. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Match titties. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I am drinking bourbon. Yeah, I'm going to say. So the match continues on. Hebner takes his bump. Uh, Sean gets Brett into the sharpshooter, turns him over. At this point, Hebner's up. You can see Mr. Man calling for the bell, or Hebner rings the bell. And the match is over. And that's basically where the screw job happens. Right, right. Okay. And everything we know after that from Wrestling with Shadow, we know that Bret Hart, you know, spat in his face, uh, did the WCW with his fingers through right. the air. To destroyed the, crowd, the monitors. Destroyed the monitors, et cetera. Yeah. All right. So we all know what happens. Right. Now let's look here. Okay. At my reason. Okay. okay. Nothing you, negative came it, out of this. You bit. know a guy who knew a guy. I knew a guy. <laughs> yeah. I knew my cousin. My cousin. Uh Nothing negative. No, Drew was there, right? Drew was there. Drew was there. Oh <laughs> <laughs> boy, Drew. He's probably like six. Right, so nothing nothing negative came out of this, okay? Yeah. If you look at it, okay? Okay. Fans always say that it had a negative impact on the industry, had a negative impact on, on Bret Hart's life. All right. Uh, yes, screwing over a wrestler I get from a, a roster perspective. Right. People who didn't know, they're going to be pissed. Of Got course. It. Completely. Of course. Whatever. Uh, we already know that Mick Foley and Undertaker threatened to walk out, blah, blah, blah. Right. We know that Davey Boy Smith and uh, Jim the Anvil left. Uh, Owen Hart was going to leave, and Brett encouraged him to stay. Right. Which, in the long run, did not end well for him. Of course not. Okay. Um, but let's look at it. This man established his character on screen, Mr. Mr. McMahon, which was a huge, huge, to this day, is still one of the biggest heel characters. All right. If not the biggest heel character. Right. Um, Shawn Michaels solidified himself as a heel character. Yeah. Okay. Um, and their eventual take, they wanted to make Steve Austin the face of the company, which eventually that did happen later on. The Correct. Line. Okay. All right, Hart, Bret Hart ended up being the most sympathetic wrestler in the history of WWF, in the history of, of professional wrestling. To be honest with you, true. Okay, going into it now, we want to look at the fact that why it was a work. Uh, Vincent Man knew what he was doing, and Bret Hart knew what he was doing. Too. He wanted to make himself look good leaving the company because he already knew he was leaving the company. Right. Most likely, he was going to come back at some point when financially WWF could afford him. Okay. 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 Vincent Mann knew that he had to get the belt off and build his character for his sake, for his company. Okay. He knew that he didn't want to send Brett off because he's already spent this past year making himself look like an anti-American. Right. You look at WCW at the time, they didn't run very many shows in Canada. So their major fan base was an American fan base. Good point, good point. So they need to make him look good going in there and how best to do that but to say, take this global company that potentially on screen screwed him over. Okay. Make him look good going there. Now, I do agree that everything that happened after that with WCW and what they did to him. Yeah, for sure. They, they, dropped, they did, dropped the they ball. They dropped the ball on him quick. You know, But this could easily have set up a match later on down the line. 
Okay. Okay, for a return match. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he did get injured. He did have a stroke. And right, right. So his end career was over pretty quickly when he got into WCW. All right. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did get that match. It just was yeah. much, much later with yeah. Brett and Vince. That's true. Oh, that was that horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was horrible. It was bad. Um, Not as bad as WrestleMania's stunner. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. That was some good shit. Um, why okay. did you bring that back up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? All right. So let's go backtrack to the Wrestling with Shadows DVD. Again, he's got a documentary going on. Vince has him backstage okay, right, right. before the match. Right. He has him at the ringside during the match. Yeah. And again, like you said, he captured everything. That's true. All that's right? very true. Um, and then afterwards, he's in the locker room with the camera mm. talking to Sean. Yeah. He's in the hallway capturing his wife, who didn't really look that upset, to be honest with you, if you look back at it. Yes, she was kind of like scorning against Triple H. Like, you knew it. You fucking knew it. Right, but right. Not to the extent to be that pissed off. Like, right, my cup, right. The breadwinner of my company just got screwed to his company. Like, come on now. Okay. I got, I'm following. I'm following. Okay. And then the, the whole thing about McMahon had got knocked out in the locker room, which right. they didn't show on the DVD, Of course, they didn't show it. And that he twists his ankle, whatever. If you look at his promo where he did the breast screw Brett, his eye's not even swollen. No, it just had that little it mark. It just had that mark, little makeup on. Okay. Going to the inside of the ring. Look how many people were out at the ringside ring to make sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah. That that whole thing went perfectly smooth for it to be a screw job. Huh. Very smooth for it to be a screw job. Okay. Okay. On the dark side of the ring, there's a uh, extra um, uh, interviews they do with Mike Kyoto, who's one of the wrestlers at ringside. I saw that. Okay. I saw that. In the one in the, the interview, yeah, one of the refs. In the interview, he says that I only had one spot to do, and I was sitting in Gorilla, waiting for Joe Briscoe, who was going to tell me to go down. Then I was going to go in there once or Hebner took his bump, do the two count. Owen was going to grab me, stop me, throw me out of the ring, and then Owen gets a super kick, and that's right. it. Right. He said, but I turned to look, and Joe Briscoe wasn't there. Go back and watch the Montreal screw job. At the beginning of that match, Joe Briscoe and Mike Kyoto are both at ringside during the early brawl. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So what he's saying doesn't line up with the nope. video footage. Nope. At all. Hmm. I got so that ringside, there's Sergeant Slaughter, Vincent Mann, I think Jack Tunney. Um, Jack Gerald, Tunney? Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, they were there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gerald Briscoe. And then referees, Mike Kyoto. Um, Was Gorilla Monsoon out there? <laughs> not right. Uh, Mike Kyoto, obviously Earl Hebner. I think Mike Tanay. No, not Mike Tanay. Um, <laughs> say Mike Tanay. Oh, uh, God. What was his name? Um, wrong company, fool. <laughs> wrong company. No shit. Who was it? Uh, Tony Schiavone was out there. Tim White. Tim White. Sorry. Tim White and Pat Patterson were out there, too. They were all at ringside for the 10 minutes before they even got the match started. Freaking Tony Khan was out there. <laughs> Tony Khan was out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they were all out there. All right. Look at how the match ended. Yeah. All right. They ring the bell, and all of a sudden, Shawn Michaels' music kits. When in the history have you ever seen music hit that quickly? Especially if you have a sound technician true. who doesn't know what's going on. True. We'll be confused true. like, uh Yeah. If it was supposed to if they already knew that it was supposed to be a disqualification, that right. means Bret Hart's music would have hit. Right. Why is he right. automatically hitting Shawn Michaels? Right, right. Man, you make some good points. You know. Now, if we backtrack to the fact that how easily could it have been? Obviously he had multiple weeks still left on his contract. You already had a storyline set up. Between Undertaker uh, getting screwed out of the title because Shawn Michaels in it with a chair. Right. How hard would it have been to put uh, a third person in there and make it a triple threat match? 
Where you can still have Sean go over by pinning Undertaker. Brett comes out unscathed. True. Or you can have Undertaker take the belt from Brett. Right. Right. Because he said he would drop it to anybody. Exactly. He would drop it to anybody else. So, I'm sorry. I, I don't think it was a shoot at all. No, you do think it was a shoot. I mean, no, you don't think it was a shoot. I don't think, I think right. it was That's a work. Right. Huh. I think you make it some was good points. Work. You make some really good points. Hey, what do you, what can do you, you take that tinfoil hat off now? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, does this does this persuade you at all? I mean, does this make you think any different? Yeah, I mean, I you know, looking back at it, yeah, you can see how it can be both. Yeah. I mean, it could have been real. It could have been all a work. Yeah, and. I mean, at the end of the day, it did what it was supposed to do. It yeah, got eyes true. on the program. That's true. Which leads me to to my my belief. I, I believe, uh, going back to what you had said a few weeks back when you were here, when you talked about the curtain call, I believe the curtain call was a very significant event that happened in the history of professional wrestling. I don't think it was the catalyst to kick off, like you know, like the Attitude Era and and that whole thing. I I honestly think it was. The Montreal screw job. Because without the Montreal screw job, as you stated, Chris, you don't have the Mr. McMahon character. You know, you don't have the ultimate. He was the ultimate heel. You talk about uh, uh, um, the fan being able to relate to a storyline. How many of us hate our bosses? You know, that, that was the whole thing that that, that played to. How many times do we play that game and kick everybody's ass? <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth in case my boss is listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I believe that the Montreal screw job was that pebble that was dropped in the pond. And then the ripples that came bring us to where we're at now. Now we have Confucius over here. <laughs> yeah. Now we have an AEW, you know, because this was during the time that Tony Khan was a fan. And what got Tony Khan to really like professional wrestling was ECW. ECW was well after this. Whatever. He just was sad that the Jacksonville Jaguars sucked. He didn't <laughs> want to do something to make money. Uh, I mean, in terms of curtain call or the screw job, yeah. I, I believe uh, the, the curtain call was a catalyst to bring kind of the the end of the kayfabe part of for sure wrestling I definitely agree so with that. it played a part and then you bring this and like you said this is what started the vince the mr mcmahon character right. which think about it stone cold steve austin does not do what he does without having mr mcmahon very true he's very i mean he'll true. be a good uh champion he'll very be a true. good wrestler but does he get to that threshold Sorry about that. <laughs> I forgot to mute. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> for, wow. For those of y'all listening, a commercial play. You want, you want Patrick to get on the conversation. <laughs> he then, starts talking, and, and then told. you throw a commercial his way? Wow. That was a total accident. Way to, so give him a, way to screw him over. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, you make, you make a very, very, very valid point on that for sure. The other thing I was thinking about, too, is... Uh, Man, just how everything was set up. Because like you said, after this happened, Shawn Michaels became one of the best heels, right? On his run, everybody hated him because of what happened to Brett and all that stuff. Of course, Mr. McMahon is starting to come up. But then Shawn gets hurt just a few months later and oh, makes so it. both competitors got hurt? Yeah. Isn't yeah, that crazy? That sucks. And then 
he ends up getting <laughs> this is going to your work thing isn't it <laughs> So then he makes it to WrestleMania, but then after WrestleMania, he's gone for the next six years. Right? Six? Four. Four years, my bad. Uh, He's gone for the next four years, but during that time is when we get Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. So listeners, I don't know. You heard the the facts, if you will. Um, You heard what Kayfabe Chris had to say. You heard what Patrick had to say. You decide for yourself. Let us know. There's a reason they call me Kayfabe Chris. Yeah, yeah. Crips. Crips. <laughs> I will say I am back on the fence. I'll go on the fence. Okay. So Fair enough. I have moved from being real to it's Yeah. It's I'm on the fence. Ah, right. Same here. That's same right. here. Well, anyway, you let us know. Shoot us a, a something on social media. We'd like to hear from you if you think it was a work or was it a shoot. We want to know. But anyway, we're gonna take a short little break. Now when we come back, we need to talk about this stuff going on with Sasha Banks and Naomi. And if that's a shoot or a work. Yes, that's good point. Very good point. So we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to let that commercial we just heard play. <laughs> so I start talking now, right? <laughs> but now he knows his cue. Right, right. Anyway, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor, which apparently is Metroflex, because that's what the commercial was. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> we'll be right back. Going on 10 years in the community, Metroflex Gym has been the place for back-to-basics, no-fluff training. At Metroflex, you'll have the resources available to you to reach your fitness goals, whatever they may be. Owner Daniel Haggerty is available and ready to help guide you in the proper direction to get the best results for your health. Want to lose weight, increase stamina, or gain mass? Daniel Haggerty is a licensed trainer with over 25 years' experience in nutrition and training and knows how to get the most out of your workouts. Come by today for a visit at 2101 Clovis Barker Road, San Marcos, Texas, or call to make an appointment for a tour at 512-878-8575. Homegrown in the community and veteran-owned, Metroplex Gym is the hardcore training place for a hardcore workout. Call today. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I felt an urge to sing to the music. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, more like a grunt. <laughs> it was Cookie Monster. Oh, a cookie. <laughs> cookie. Anyway, we are back. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We've been talking about the Montreal Screwjob, and what a conversation. We could easily go on probably for another hour talking about this. It was a awesome uh Awesome point in wrestling history. I do say that at, at, at the point when we decide to talk about the ad trail, we're definitely going to have to split those podcasts up. Yeah. Because that's yeah. A, a, a pretty intense era. That there we might have to, have to be like a part one and a part two or something mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yep. Maybe we can have Patrick come back. And I know Miggy wants to come on and talk about the Attitude Era as well. That's his favorite uh, 
We could do like a live discussion too. That would be awesome. We hey, we did live before, right? Did our live yeah. pre-show and it worked out pretty well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'd be down for that. But anyway, we want to talk about now. So, if you don't know what's going on, you're living under a rock. But apparently, right before Raw, uh an incident happened where Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out on Raw. Which is probably something Bret Hart should have done. Just throw the title down on the desk and walked out. But Give us the details, Kayfabe Chris. He was the champion, okay? <laughs> oh, and so Sasha and Naomi were not the champions? Not like Bret Hart was. <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't believe they were champions. <laughs> so, Kayfabe Chris, why don't you give us the details, kind of break it down for us, what happened well, Monday. Um, I'm just saying that so I can take a drink of mine. Okay. Now, the original match plan for Monday Night Raw, for those of you who have not seen it, was advertised originally as a six-pack challenge to find the number one contender for Bianca Belair's Women's Champion. I could go for a six-pack challenge. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Depends. someone very dark. (laughs) (laughs) Just depends on the six-pack you're talking about. That's true. Some of those stone-cold six-packs. Oh, yeah. Now, the six-pack challenge was supposed to include Sasha Banks and Naomi, who were, at the time of the advertisement, <laughs> were the smack or were the women's championship because they went across both brands. Well, and let's be fair. Technically, they still are. They haven't lost the belts. Even though they gave them up, they haven't lost them. It's true. So they're still... They have their own personal ones at home. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, so Sasha, Naomi, uh, Asuka, returning Asuka, Becky Lynch, and uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. Okay. Okay. We're supposed to face each other for a chance to face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell. That was the original match plan. Now, apparently, sometime during the night, Sasha and Naomi decided to go up to management, go up to creative, go up to Vince, go up to Johnny Laurinaitis, and basically say that they didn't agree with it. Okay. Now, to quote the statement that was delivered by WWF, okay. w, sorry, WWF, WWE, sorry, pandas, WWE, <laughs> during the uh, the pro. Uh, the show says when Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE head of town relations John Laurinaitis' office with their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract. We regret that we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. Yes. I got two problems with that. What's What does WWE not like to call their championships? belts oh. they're not belts yeah huh. and titles. the other the, they're t- championships titles, titles yeah you know belts are hold up your pants yeah okay and to you know to explain that it's a scripted show right like all of that just if it was real so I guess I'm going to go ahead and start off by saying I think this is a work. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And those are the two reasons why. I just think it's entertaining that they said they uh, regret not being able to provide their advertised matches, which they never provide their advertised no, matches. No, they don't. And let's and let's be fair. I mean, I know we I know we rag on WWE all the time, but from as long as I can remember, it has always said card subject to change. 
no matter if you show it to a live house show, TV show, it always has that disclaimer card subject to change. So why you're right. Why do they feel the need that they have to apologize for not having the match that was advertised if we should already know that the card is always subject to change? Right. Correct. So and yeah, I, I, I mean, I got to give him that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. Now, according to rumor, and again, this is based off of dirt sheets and hearsay. Twitter. <laughs> hearsay. Um, objection. Uh, My dog stepped on a bee. <laughs> <laughs> and Naomi and Sasha walked off TV. <laughs> nice. Uh, so apparently the, the way the match was supposed to go, Naomi was supposed to go over and go to Hell in a Cell. Now, she wasn't necessarily going to win at Hell in a Cell. Right. It was just kind of like just to continue Bianca Belair looking dominant. Right. Uh, problem with it is that they were going to have Naomi pin Sasha. Oh, Okay. Gotcha. So they've been building them up as these tag team champs, mm-hmm. and they've been getting over, right. no doubt. And now there's like a breakup happening, right. basically. And then, of course, uh, supposedly they're supposed to go into a storyline with uh, Nikki Ash and Dewdrop okay. for the tag titles. Okay. Um, and they per- apparently didn't have anything scheduled for creative for a match with them until Money in the Bank, which is next, like in J- July. Two, two months. Two months. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't have anything for that. Um, um, and then of course we found out later today you sent me that uh, Naomi and Sasha were pulled from live events up yeah. to July so yeah. um, me I think it could be a work also I'll agree with Patrick on that so I know you have you probably haven't listened to Busted Open no uh, I right. haven't uh, my, Busted Open. my Sirius XM uh, subscription has expired I know I'm sad wow anyway just, go just ahead. borrow Chris's <laughs> right right <laughs> Hook a brother up. <laughs> piggyback, piggyback <laughs> off of me. Uh, so Bubba Ray made a good um, insight of it, and I agree with him. Actually, I kind of thought about this, but didn't go into as in-depth as he did. Does he think it's a work? He thinks it's a work. He feels that this has Mr. Paul Heyman written all over it. Oh, yes. This is definitely a Paul Heyman story. Line. Okay. For them to be like, uh, they they be mistreated, they're not appreciated champions. Why don't you come to the bloodline? Ooh. Ooh. Wow. So. I, I like that look Patrick's giving. <laughs> what do you think, Patrick? No, I mean, I I did not hear that part. And probably, I mean, I know they had been talking about Naomi joining the bloodline, obviously. Because but Naomi the, makes sense, but Sasha doesn't. That's the part that I kind yeah. of pull back on because it's like, I mean, I get Naomi, but not Sasha. Yeah. But well, I do colored. see. <laughs> I. Am I, am I right? <laughs> yeah, but she, but she does not have a tie to the bloodline. Naomi does. Naomi's the wife of one of the users. One of the users. <laughs> and by proxy, Sasha is linked to Naomi, who's linked to one of the Usos. No, it don't work like that, bro. Okay, no, no, what no. is this? Six degrees of separation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's six levels of Kevin Bacon. Yes, yeah, that one. Oh, that's funny. Um, that is interesting. Um. I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy. So okay, I'm more on the I'm more on the side that it's work. I am, but with with the with the res, the responses that have been coming from other talents across the board, not just WWE, right? I'm. I was telling you the other day how this could go. It, it's going to make waves, bad or good, mm-hmm. right? And I think in the quote bad that it could make is that it could. 
maybe raise some awareness on this whole contractor thing because technically wwe uh superstars they're supposed to be contract workers but they're not really contract workers you know under the definition of of what a contract worker is they still have to follow a contract like if they're employees you know what i mean but they're supposed to be uh private contractors and there's been a lot of talk in the past about how it's unfair you know they're treated unfair and things like that i kind of think that this could shine a light on that but to be fair i think i, I i'm i'm more kind of 10 percent with that thought i'm more 90 percent with the fact that it could be a work but here's my question chris if it is a work what's the outcome where are they going the bloodline and that's it i mean that to me that's kind of that's kind of thin uh, well, I mean, you, you already, um, they're going to have the match on uh, SmackDown, I think, this week between the unification titles, which, again, I don't think they're going to unite them just yet. Right. But it looks to see that they're trying to go in that direction to unify the titles and give them all to the bloodline. Okay. So why wouldn't you give the SmackDown Women's Championship to the bloodline? Okay. I, I mean, I, I guess I can see your point there. But, again, it's still, where do you go after that? The next city. <laughs> I mean, in reality, someone's got to between uh, the Usos and Naomi and Sasha. Someone's got to be the DD in the fucking car, <laughs> <laughs> so the Usos could get drunk and not get pulled over on TMZ. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and and it, and I can see it going that way, I guess. But I'm still kind of looking past that. Like, what's the payoff? that so okay i don't think there is a payoff we've already seen wwe does not have payoffs they go month by month pay-per-view to pay-per-view okay they don't have storylines for their championships anymore so basically what you're saying is if if this is a work they're not even looking past what's going to happen in six months they're just looking what's going to happen at the next pay-per-view exactly gotcha gotcha they don't they don't give a damn about their titles Right. Basically, don't give a bad damn, damn about titles. And I was actually telling Patrick earlier, not to segue away from Naomi and Sasha, but look at the IC title. Okay? Last time IC title was defended on pay-per-view was when weekly shows still had no fans. Oh, my God. The Fiend was still in WWE, and Samoa Joe was a commentator. Are you serious? Of course you're serious. You're the research guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. The U.S. title has been bouncing around. Yeah, true. The 24-7 championship is a joke. Yeah. You know, your tag titles, I mean, that's the most compelling storyline because now you don't even have Roman defending his double titles. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like back in Bret Hart's day, the titles meant something. True. Very okay? true. Dumb question, but who are the IC and U.S. champion anyway? Ricochet uh, is the IC champion and Austin Theory is the... Theory. Sorry. Theory, theory, <laughs> theory is the United States champion. Yeah, sorry, I don't really watch <laughs> WWE anymore, but I do follow everyone. And Ronda is news. the SmackDown Women's I, Champion. I knew she was a champion, just yeah. didn't know what brand. Yeah, yeah Bianca Belair's Raw. Yeah, and uh, and there is no Raw Heavyweight Champion because Roman has is, that one. Has that one? Well, then there is a Raw Heavyweight Champion. It's Roman. No, it's now the unified, w- unified WWE Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. Does he carry two belts? Yes. yes. Then it's not unified. That's a good point. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's a very good point. Wow. You're very making some points point. here, sir. <laughs> very good point. 
Uh, man. It's, well, I mean, bottom line is, if it is a work or if it's not a work, we are definitely going to find out pretty soon because... Obviously I mean, not till past July because they've been pulled from house shoes. True, they have Live been. Shows. But you know, here, here's the other thing that's interesting. You haven't heard a peep from Sasha or uh, Naomi at what? all. Naomi's friend. Well, I don't know if they can retweet anything because she unfollowed them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Naomi's friend did say something. For the sure. only thing, I mean, in terms of the work, I I can see what Chris was saying about Naomi and the bloodline and whatnot. This is the third time Sasha Banks has done this. True. She, I mean, this is. She's you can the say the heart of her day. You can see where, where what's the storyline? Well, there may not be one for her. Right. She just may be unhappy, and she's gonna go take her ball, go home, and find her smile, and then come back. <laughs> or they're just gonna wait till Bailey comes back and throw her in another feud with Sasha. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's oof. There is so much potential with the four horsewomen that they just blew completely. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and now none of the horsewomen except for, uh, not the horsewomen, but the UFC horsewomen. In the mic, Only sir. one of them. In the mic, sorry. <laughs> only one of them is, or two, I guess. Uh, yeah. Rhonda and Baszler. Are yeah, in. are the only ones left. That's true. At yeah. all. So, WWE, unfortunately, it seems like they have so many pro- uh, producers, so much creative input that it just looks sloppy now. And I can I can if it is a shoot, you know, and it's not a work with Sasha, I can understand her frustration. You yeah, know, for sure. Constantly having to be thrown around no meaning to, you know, they fought their way to a championship match, WrestleMania, won the titles and now they're just stale. Right. Not doing anything with it. Right. And I was like they said I don't have anything on creative for them for the next couple of months, which is stupid. Right. And of course they go take it to Money in Bank. Money in Bank now is being advertised as the next Royal Rumble. Mm. You know. Yeah. So it's like And I money in the and the money in the bank is the next is the Cody Road show. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, do you know it's the Cody clock? I did. You didn't see that? They have, He has a clock uh, when he was supposed to be advertised to come out tonight. They put a countdown to Cody. Yeah. And it was a time clock. Yeah. They're really all in on Cody. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe six months from now, back to mid-card maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Kurt jerking over there. Yeah. Depends we'll on how Vince will feel in a bit. Yeah, that's true. Wow. It's, it's been a great... Great show. I didn't know why he's jaded by WWE now. Like, I yeah. see it. Yeah. yeah. When was the last time uh, that you watched, actually watched a WWE program? Cena's uh, US Open Challenge? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I probably stopped early 2000s. Wow. We, you know, actually watching on a consistent basis. I mean, right. yeah, I've caught... You know the network ten bucks a month, so right, right, right. it was easy to watch the pay per views. Just have them in the background, but right. following Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and all that, it's been yeah, you know, twenty really, years maybe. I mean, if you're gonna dedicate your time to a wrestling show, I mean AEW is putting it out weekly. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you follow AEW, right? Yes, nice. I. Uh, I mean, I haven't missed it, well, except today. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't missed the dynamite. <laughs> He's looking at us like bastards. <laughs> but I'll catch it tonight. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not gonna miss it. But you know, it, it's it's why I've just stopped. Is you know, and it's the storylines to me. Yeah. 
you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to just sit here and bash WWE because, I mean. That's fine. It's good. But, it, you know, sometimes the storylines, they just are repetitive. Yeah. It's the same matches, yeah. you know, week after week. Yeah. And, you know, you know that's kind of why with AEW, it seems like they're different matches. Right, right, right. You know, you see matchups you haven't thought you wanted to see and then realize, oh, wow, I'm glad they finally showed us that. Yeah. I mean, you got Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes 3. Yeah. It's not even a rubber match. No, no. Third time. I well, mean, the only the only part for me that's making me want to see it is the Hell in a Cell part. And not even it. that. Like, it's in a red freaking cell. Oh, I know. That sucks. But what part of the story requires a Hell in a Cell? You know, a, most right. Hell in a Cells have a reason to be inside of a cell. Even right. someone is, like, constantly running a ray or something. Interference, <laughs> weapons, whatever. Right, but, right. you know, where did... It, are we just in a cell because the hell, the pay per view is hell in a cell? Right. Uh, I believe he called it hell in a cell. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He right. did. Sorry. Uh, uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean that that's the part that you know I thought maybe what should have happened at back WrestleMania backlash. Yeah. Was you know some kind of interference that caused Seth to win. Right. Which then puts it one to one, and then you set your third match up for the cell no interference and right and go so right. I mean, maybe i should go book for wwe so. <laughs> i think we all could book for wwe man i have a much better show just saying yeah just saying anyway patrick thank you so much for being on the show today thank um, you for having me yeah man uh, uh, all i gotta say is when you come back try not to talk too much <laughs> I mean, the last time I talked, there was a uh, commercial commercial yeah, going on. Right. So it's true. It's true. he's jaded. Now he's jaded by the podcast. Right, Where'd it go? That's it. You don't even talk anymore. Anyway, no, it was we awesome. definitely got to bring him back for when we talk about the attitude era. For I sure, that's for all, sure. In all our perspectives, probably the best yeah, era. for sure, for sure. But I do want to say on a final note, Brett did not screw Brett. It was a work. All right, and we want to know from all you listeners, what do y'all think? Mm-hmm. Was the Montreal screw job a work? Is the Sasha Naomi saga a work? Um, would love to hear your feedback on it. I told her maybe Sasha's just taking time off to go film another season of Mandalorian. Actually, she said she wasn't doing it anymore. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She did say so that. So you say you're going to believe what Sasha says? <laughs> just saying. Mm-hmm. She is the boss. Yeah. The boss, whatever. <laughs> she walked out on her boss. Man, you are... You're kind of spicy today, Chris. <laughs> Got worked up with the whole screw job thing. <laughs> Apparently. Anyway, as you guys know, know... Calm it down. <laughs> calm it down. Calm it uh, down. We want to hear from you guys. What do y'all think? I'm just kind of Was curious. With, when Naomi walked out, yeah. was she glowing? <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Yes, get back to us. Let us know if you think it was a work or if you think it's a shoot. We, we definitely want to hear from you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a great discussion. Guys, I, this was fun. I was looking forward to this, and it did not disappoint. Again, Patrick, thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you so and much. And for being here. We really thank do you. appreciate it. And so, uh, but, yeah. Sorry I scared you earlier because I didn't know who we were going to record tonight. No, it's, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it, the, I'm sorry about the miscommunication. And, by the way, we did not put my mom in a retirement home. <laughs> okay, I'm she, making sure. She retired from her job. All right. <laughs> That's what it was. This, this, but we're anyway. clear. <laughs> She right. retired and she's going home. Yes, so I guess that's, maybe what that's what you meant. That's, yeah. that's what I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. So until next week, uh, just if you haven't seen the Montreal Screwjob, go back and look at it and let us know your thoughts and let us know your thoughts 
on the Sasha Naomi saga. We look forward to hearing from you. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to the Mega Powers Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you'd like to contact the show with your input or questions, email us at megapowerswrestling at gmail.com. That's megapowerswrestling at gmail.com. Also find us on all social media by searching Megapowers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Until next week, we wish you good vibes and Godspeed.